Hello and welcome to Letters from Heaven with me, A.S. Davids. I am glad you are here today. Thank you to all our faithful listeners. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts as well. Today, our episode is God Gives the Best Sex. Yes, you heard me right. God Gives the Best Sex. Now hang on and hear why God is the giver of the best, the finest, and the most intense sex. Firstly, I want to say the finest joys, the finest of joys are made and are given to God's creation. According to the Bible, Psalm 16 says, At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. At your right hand. There are pleasures forevermore. Now, sex with all the emotional, all the physical pleasures it may provide is a creation of God. It's not and it wasn't anything that man created. It wasn't anything that man designed in defiance or in protest to God's purpose. According to the Bible, God created us to enjoy lives that are filled with enjoyment and enduring pleasures. Even while sin has corrupted everything good, God's work of creation still contains a lot of goodness in it. And his act of restoration offers hope to lift us out of every despair. Now, we are obligated We are even called to live within the confines of God's purposeful plan. Understanding God's positive theology of sexuality is crucial when we are discussing sex. And by doing so, or by doing this, we may live more God-glorifying lives, appreciate His creation more, stay away from entanglements of sexual idolatry and even immorality. So today, quickly, I want us to look at some facts regarding God's wonderful gift of sex. So let's look at why God gives the best sex. I have some facts for you. And number one fact is, as the pinnacle of his creation, God created males and females. The good news about God's gift of sex and sexuality begins with God Almighty. It begins with God the Almighty, the all-wise, and the all-loving Creator. God proclaimed that both people and earth were excellent in the book of Genesis. Our femininity and masculinity are magnificent and amazing creations creations of divine workmanship. Every man, every woman you can see out there is the creator's finest work. So now, why are we God's masterpieces here for? Why are we here for? According to our society, sex is the purpose of life. Wow. 
Society says sex is the purpose of life. It gives us an image, a picture that sex is the image of life and that life is for sex. Without engaging in sexual activity, our culture teaches us to severely undervalue our masculinity or our femininity. And Christians who are not married sometimes make marriage an idol in their minds and they are tempted to think that their single years are wasted if they cannot have sex. And this life is about sex perspective is just too simplistic. It's too simplistic. If the only sexual actions we consider to be sex are those that result in orgasm, then our definition of sex is artificial and it is severely, severely limited. Missing the forest for the trees is a common mistake that most Christians make. And now if we focus just on the sexual act, I tell you, we overlook a vast forest of sexuality and sexual identity created by our loving God. Let me remind you, it is easy to miss the forest for the trees. Now, although it's true that God gave us the ability to have sex, our actual purpose was to be in relationships. We are created for relationships. We were not created just for sex, nor are we a work of art to be shown by ourselves uh, in a gallery. In the book of Psalms 8, King David praised God that we were made a little lower than the angels. Verse 7, that's in verse 7. We individually have an amazing dignity, even glory, to carry his image and have a close relationship with him as men and women. God also gave each of us our gender identity out of love which allowed us to experience a spectrum, a rainbow, a kaleidoscope of relationships. Being male or female is the context of roles such as husband and wife, father and mother, brother and sisters if you like, uncle and aunt, male and female companions or friends, and so many other roles. Now, when we love God and we love our neighbor as we love ourselves, we experience this dignity and grandeur that God kindly wants for us. I hope you're still with me. Now, let's go to fact number two. Fact number two. Sexuality is a gift from God that displays his own essence and splendor. It is a gift from God to display his own essence and splendor. Now, a novel a novel provides insight into the author's thoughts. A book provides uh, insight into the author's thoughts just as art reflects the character of the creator. The fact that two genders are, ca are capable of sexual connection in such strange ways reveals the essence of God. 
God the Father has loved God the Son from the beginning of time. The fellowship between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit was, was so full and so ideal. It is the ideal partnership that exhibits complete openness and closeness. Each member of the Trinity is completely aware of the other. The Bible tells us so in so many uh, uh, verses. For example, in Luke 10 and verse 20, or in Romans 8 verse 27. So you and me, we are able to cultivate closeness because of the intimacy of the Trinity, the three persons in one. The capacity to develop a bond with someone and gain their trust is in, is in and of itself a gift of love from our triune God who rejoices, for instance, when two of his children become one flesh via marriage. Now, scripture uses image. It portrays images related to marriage to convey the nature of God's love in different ways in so many portions of the bible in the book of ezekiel 16 hosea 2 throughout the book of the songs of solomon it is portrayed in different ways it is it depicts god as a devoted spouse who redemptively loves his undeserving wife scripture depicts god as a devoted spouse who unconditionally who redemptively loves his undeserving wife Paul asserts he says that marriage exemplifies the love that Christ has for his church Ephesians 5 verse 31 and verse 32 let me just read that quickly it says for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So now the reality of complete intimacy in heaven, which is our status after the marriage of the Lamb, and God's desire for his church may both be glimpsed when married couples engage in sexual activity. Let me speak to unmarried people. Unmarried people, you can experience a variety of levels and forms of intimacy apart from having sex in the framework of your God-given gender identity by being faithful, chaste, and modest. Relationships that are profound and lasting are not just possible via marriage. Singles may and should engage or should get involved in deep friendships that last a lifetime. These are also partnerships that show or friendships that show uh, or relationships that showcase the Trinity's close-knit sense of community. Unmarried people can exhibit the selfless love of Christ for the church. Now, let me go to fact number three. Fact number three. 
regardless of whether we are single or married, God has given us all the gift of sexuality. I want you to get that again. Fact number three, regardless of whether we are single or married, God has given us all the gift of sexuality. So no matter your age, no matter your marital situation, God gave each man and woman the capacity to live a righteous life, to live a moral life and experience an abundant life. Both being married and single may be joyful and God-honoring. And yet many Christian singles do not recognize the benefits of being unattached. You need to know that celibacy's gift seems to be a tough sell. It seems to be a tough sell. Most singles, they struggle in good faith to live a clean life against the backdrop of our orgasmically obsessed secular world, which robs and even cripples their joy in life. I know that many Christian singles wonder, will I miss out on some fundamentals of life? If I've never have had or I never have a, a full sex life, merely because I don't have a spouse. Many singles wonder, are the delights of ungodly uh, married sexuality preferable than the, the pleasures of sex in marriage? If we respond yes to their, to their concerns, to their questions, we adopt a dualistic understanding of Christianity that is both unbiblical and harmful and this is just as false as asserting that having children is necessary for living a christian life and that couples without children are somewhat somewhat lesser christians now whether or not a person is married the gospel's fundamental blessings are available to all believers however not every believer receives the full range of gospel blessings at every stage of life. Not that I said at every stage of life. Remember Jesus, he didn't have a spouse. He was blameless and he abstained from all sexual pleasure. Remember Paul? He stated, he asserted that he would want to remain single. Do you recall Daniel and all other Bible singles? The pleasures of sex in marriage are not better than the joys God provides unmarried believers. These joys are not greater or worse. They are simply different. They are simply different. They are different just like strawberry shortcake is fantastic and and, and carrot cake is terrific. So someone who loves uh, uh, strawberry shortcake would be naive to claim that carrot cake is awful just because they haven't tried it. So are married people to be favored over single people? No, not at all. Paul does encourage celibacy above marriage for the sake of saving the kingdom, particularly in times of tribulation. Even he does state that it is better to marry than to burn in desire. You can read that in 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 9 and 
verse 28 to 29. So here is a dose of reality. There are many Christians who are not married who find greater pleasure and connection in the unrestricted service to the kingdom of God than those who are in unhappy marriages. It's better to be single than to be in unhappy marriage. So, in seasons of singleness, God's powerful and diverse grace is the real key to joy and it brings significance to times of challenge. Singles are not the only ones asking, what am I to do with my sexual desires? Single chastity is not easy, but married people will tell you that maintaining purity and growing in intimacy is not child's play. It is not a cakewalk. The fact that purity is hard cannot be a rationalization for compromise. Even though uh, purity is hard, it is not a rationalization for compromise. Acting out sexuality is not synonymous with intimacy. Masturbation is a prime example. It can be, it can be fleeting pleasure. It can give fleeting pleasure, but it is often addictive. It is always selfish and it cannot deliver intimacy or lasting relational joy. So the sexual temptations we all experience are not a surprise to or a defeat to our God. Our Father, our Heavenly Father, wired us with desired desires i mean he wired us with wants and he gives us the power to draw close to him and refrain from committing sexual sin of any kind he does not tempt us to sin but he affords us opportunities to seek and find what is far better which is himself rather than fleeting bodily desires or bodily pleasures unmarried men and women can use their sexual edges into admirable accomplishments, non-sexual yet gratifying relationships, and adventures in service and ministry. Now, the biggest hazard of singleness is not missing out on sexual release. No, it is being isolated and alone. Isolation is a choice. But it is not God's will for Christian singles to live without the grace of Christian friends and a spiritual family. Life is too short not to have and be with family, your Christian family. God provides for his body, the church, as a functional family for both time and eternity. Hallelujah. Quickly, let's go to fact number four. God created marriage and sex to protect, strengthen, and bless us. Some people, some believers, some Christians are afraid of the power of sex. Yet God gave it the holy ability to unite a husband and wife body and soul in a covenant of love and fidelity becoming one flesh i want you to know that becoming one flesh 
in a marriage experience is more rewarding than anything the outside world has to offer in the way of sexual allure. It offers warmth and light, much like a fire within a fireplace. But when not used appropriately, sex can be as destructive as an unattended cigarette, which may burn down an entire forest. Marriage is not about sex. And sex is not a sufficient justification for marriage. Remember, the goal is not sex. It is a tool to achieve a goal. Sex is simply a tool to achieve a goal. So marriage protects from promiscuity and exploitation. And sex to protect the marriage by giving comfort and relieving temptation. Marriage protects sex from promiscuity and exploitation. And sex is to protect marriage by giving comfort and relieving temptation. Paul instructs husbands and wives not to commit sexual fraud. He instructs husbands and wives not to deny each other sexual relief. He instructs husbands and wives not to commit sexual fraud against one another, but rather that they should be faith they should faithfully carry out their marital obligations to another. First Corinthians uh, chapter seven from verse one to five. A marriage without sexual closeness is also emotionally poor. Sex that is godly and other-centered is is shields marriage couples from sin and keeps marriages strong. Marriage, you need to understand, is a celebration of proper sexual expression that reinforces devotion and love. The book of Genesis, in Genesis 1, verse 26 to 28, reveals that God designed sex within marriage to empower us. God never rescinded his plan for us to have dominion, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Dominion may sound like an accurate and political incorrect concept, yet God gave sex within marriage for not only joy, intimacy, mutual comfort and support, but also procreation of children. Without moms and dads, where would we be? So one divine purpose of sex in marriage is to provide a context to bear and then empower children who grow up to feel or to fulfill a kingdom purpose, to spread God's justice, to spread God's wisdom, to spread God's love, God's love to the entire world. Fact number five. Fact number five. God created sexuality in order for us to better understand Christ and to love others as Christ loves us. You need to know that the world propagates the idea that everything one person can do to persuade another consenting adult to perform sexual acts for them is acceptable. The word of God does not say so. 
God gave us sexual edge to help us love effectively, not to lead us to sin. To understand that sex is not a toy and we are not consumers of sexual encounters, one must have a deeper understanding of Christ. To perceive our sexuality as a foundation for self-restraint and selfless love, we must love Christ more. So when we are tempted to trust sex to heal our emotional needs or to save us from emptiness, we become convinced that our pain is worse than sin. We defend our sexual compromise. It takes knowing Jesus better to believe sin is worse than our pain. It takes loving Christ better to sincerely want freedom from sin rather than freedom to sin. This moral challenge does not surprise God. He allows these tensions and tests as opportunities to turn to him for grace and power in our times of need. So the joys and the trials of marriage in general and sex within marriage are given to us or to make us holy more than to make us happy. In seasons when a marriage becomes strained, hard or painful, the desires accompanying sexual intimacy can turn a maturing Christian's heart towards Christ. Christ provides wisdom and strength to love an imperfect and even unlovely spouse with sexual faithfulness and perseverance, even when one's flesh wants to run or even rage. We can learn, the better I love Christ, the better I love my spouse. The better I love my spouse, the better I will love Christ. Let me repeat that. The better I love Christ, the better I will love my spouse. And the better I love my spouse, the better I will love Christ. So all sexual tensions, temptations, and emotional desires offer singles and those married couples opportunities to grow, finding paths to joy as God faithfully provides our true needs. When we, when we find him faithful and follow him with trust and integrity, we honor him. Our sincere hearts shine through our good deeds of self-sacrificing love and sexual integrity. This is one way our sexuality gives God glory. Now, fact number six. Sexuality points to Christ and the church. Sexuality points to Christ and the church. Why? Because we need the church to shepherd the story of our sexuality. Now, the world really, it really cannot find a grand story for human sexuality. Secular people want life to be a comedy where sexually active brings happiness. Or rather, where being sexually active brings happiness. They find monogamy as boring, as reruns, and the sexless narrative of chastity 
or celibacy a pointless tragedy. In scripture, on the other hand, God places our sexuality into the grand story of redemption. Our sexuality points to the grand divine drama, the true story of the high king who builds a kingdom of people redeemed by a blood covenant through his son, who is Christ Jesus. So the overarching backdrop in which we should express our sexuality is the gospel story of God forming and upholding the covenant of salvation. Christ's story and our story are inextricably linked. This union is likened to how the head and the body are joined. We, that is you and me, we extend the truth, life, and redemption of the crucified and risen king against all sin, death, and evil as his body. The great conflict between good and evil, which is the kingdom versus the wicked empire, includes all sexual concerns. Since God made sex to be powerful, Christ commissioned the church to function as a shepherd and guide in this area as well as in other areas of life. The church, which is the people of God, is a gracious gift to each Christian. It is in, it is in, this, in the community of Christ. It is in this community that we give and receive guidance. We receive and give encouragement, correction, even companionship or company. Other Christians, you must always know that other Christians are crucial to assist us when we are struggling with sexual issues and to keep our eyes on Jesus. Our sexuality is not just our story. It really is part of the family story. The church family has a say and stake in how we live out our sexuality. So our sexuality is so big, no Christian can handle it alone. Christ gave the church as a family. Because when sexual brokenness and sin enters our lives, we need a healing community to affirm the forgiveness we receive from Jesus. The church is the spiritual, functional family that accepts and guides us in repentance and into joys of restoration. So, you need to be in the community of the church. You need to be in the community of the church. Last fact, as I'm concluding, the last fact of why God gives the best sex. God gave sex to point us to heaven. Mm. God gave sex to point us to heaven because sex is not forever. In Matthew 22, Jesus stated that there will be no marriage and therefore no sexual intimacy in heaven. So how can something as intensely good as sexual intimacy be left out of heaven? God will not leave sex out of heaven because it is inherently sinful or anything like that. God declared all things good on day six after he told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply 
a task that required sexual activity. So if sex is good for, for, for time, why is it not good for eternity? You may ask. It is because there is something better. It is because sex, in the fullness of its meaning, points to greater realities in the way a road sign points to a great city. The sign of sex will be obsolete in heaven because the reality it points to will be replaced by the greater reality itself. It is the same way that with baptism or the Lord's Supper. In heaven, both sacraments will cease since they have their fulfillment there. They have their fulfillment there. The Lord's Supper, a, a meal remembering Christ's death and signifying our union with him, will be replaced by the greater wedding feast. We will be with the bride and the groom. Baptism, which is a sign that we belong to Christ, will be replaced in heaven because we will be face to face with Christ himself. So the intimacy we will have with Christ through eternity will be so great that sexual intimacy will pale in comparison. The ecstatic pleasure of even the best orgasmic 15 second, seconds shared in a godly marriage will be like testing the plainest food compared to the everlasting joy and intimacy we will share with Christ at his banquet table. So if sex can be this good now, even in a world tainted by sin, think how much better sinless and perfect intimacy with our Creator will be. It will be coming home to the embrace of the one who has loved us before the foundations of the world. It will be so glorious, no one of us will regret missing sex. Instead, we will wonder how we were ever so preoccupied with it. Nothing can compare to entering into the presence of the glorious residence of God Almighty. And this is why God gives the best sex. So in conclusion, God gives the best sex. He gives sex and sexuality for our joy and ultimately for his glory. Our Father does not deprive us from pleasures, nor does he condemn us for our failures. God faithfully provides forgiveness and empowering grace so that the trials and the joys related to our sexuality work together to prepare us for eternal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Our sexuality offers a tremendous opportunity to live a life full of faith and love. As we live with this gift, his gift of sex, by means of his grace and together with his grace-giving people, we live out of the hope of the gospel and are a light to the world. So this is why God gives us the best sex. Thank you to all who have listened up to the end. Don't forget to rate our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. 
Today our episode has been God gives the best sex. So if you want to help us keep the podcast running, you can do so by donating or sponsoring the podcast with no matter how little or how much it is. We'll put our PayPal link just in the show notes below. Thank you very much and God bless you.